Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of mercy and grace, Lord. Lord, knowing, God, that you are great and you are greatly to be praised. Lord, for your mighty acts that we have seen amongst us, Lord, we lift up your name. Lord, knowing that, that you are the God and you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, you're the one that started the work. You're the one that will finish the work. Father, we know that we have seen the enemy cast out. We have seen the enemy be moved off of the promises of our inheritance, Father. Lord, right now, we just want to come and make a claim on, the, on, this, on this meeting, Father. We know that the enemy would like to, to, to get an advance and try to stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. But we stand here in faith even now, Lord, binding our hearts together as a church, Lord, asking that you would move mightily in our midst, Lord. Even today, Father, may you be high and lifted up, Lord. May you come down and condescend in the midst of the church of the living God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would see Lord, to the very desires of our heart, we've got loved ones that we've been praying for. We've got, we've got our pastor that we've been earnestly praying for, that you would minister to his body and rid him of this cancer, even though doctors might say that you'll never hear the words cancer-free. Father, I, I, I believe in your report, Lord Jesus, that, that you've already declared him healed. But I pray, Lord, that, that the vision that the vision would be fulfilled, that doctors would line up, Lord, with, with others that are sitting here that are dealing with similar battles, Father. May we see you amongst us, high and lifted up above every disease, above every critic, above every doubter, Father. May we see you high and lifted up, O oh God. May the miraculous be done in this place, O oh God. May you bring back our prodigals. May you restore faith and restore brotherhood. May there be a love like never before. And today, as we go forward in your service, we're asking, Lord, that you would move mightily through the word of God. I pray that you'd open my mouth to the things that you once said, and you'd shut them to the things that you don't want said. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would take complete, supreme, supreme control over this service just now. Set me down in a corner, as it were, and use my body and use my lips. Lord, not only myself, but every child of God that's here this morning, that's sitting here under the sound of my voice, may they feel the liberty of the Holy Spirit upon their soul, Father, to reach out into an unknown world and pull down the promises of God. Maybe peace or joy in their life, but may they pull down the promises of God that they are yes and amen for them. I pray your blessings be upon your children today, near and far, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this, this morning, we'd like to look over in the book of Revelations, chapter 15 and verse 1. Revelations chapter 15 and verse 1. Sister Deborah, I absolutely loved hearing that accordion play this morning. I about brought me to tears back there, thinking about my, my teeny playing that accordion all those years, and I uh, haven't heard one since since she played it, and I I really I really enjoyed that this morning. Amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Hearing great reports from the meeting there in, in North Carolina. I want to just continue to lift up those meetings. Brother Wayne is speaking there this morning. Brother Ron speak last night, and Brother Jonathan Martin was there in that meeting. You can find those meetings on YouTube. Um, I believe it's Apostolic Tabernacle, if that's 
if that's if I'm right on that. And if you if you don't have it or if you'd like to have it, you just text me and we'll make sure that you get that. And I believe the bride's in a in a season of rapture and a season of, of revival and we're just looking unto the Lord because we know he's getting ready to capture us and take us home. Amen. Revelation chapter fifteen. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord, God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. May God bless his word this morning. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'd like to speak to you by the help of the Lord this morning on a thought that the Lord woke me up a few days ago about 3 o'clock in the morning and dropped this, this thought on my heart that our victory, our victory is here. Our victory is here. Our victory is not coming. Our victory is here. And Brother Branham would say in the message, uh, Victory Day, he said, if the Lord will, he said, I would like to take a text from that to call it a V-Day, a victory day, as, as we symbolize that a complete victory, these people that in the chapter that we, we've just read had gotten a victory, I think that the word victory is a great word in the English language. He said it means that you have defeated the enemy and you've overcome and you are a victor, holding victory. And we sing songs and cheer victory. And here we find that there, there was something that these people had come to the sea of glass and mingled, and mingled with fire. And they had gotten the victory over the beast, over his image, and over the mark, and over the letter of his name. And all these things that had gotten the victory over them and were victors standing on the other side on the sea of glass, mingled with fire, singing the songs of praise to the Almighty. And to think that today that, that this message is our victory is here. This message is a declaration to the church of the living God that you are already in victory. You've already been seen in victory just like Job was seen before, before the foundation of the world. Job was already seen in victory. He's already seen shouting for joy before he ever had one problem, before he ever had one circumstance. He was already seen having the victory. And we recognize that Jesus isn't just Jesus of the Jews or Jesus to the Gentiles, but God God is interested in every race. He's interested in the small. He's interested in the great. And he's interested to come into each and every one of us. And surely if he cared about coming to a little bitty fishy and bringing it back to life, surely he cares about the church of the living God this morning, that you wouldn't go down in defeat, but you'd rise up victorious. And I, I, I happen to believe that if there ever was a time that we needed to celebrate a victory, it's right now. 
It's right now. We've got every chaotic thing that's going on in the country. But as a church of the living God, we are recognizing that the world is very weak and, and the world's getting weaker as the days go by. But the church of the living God is getting stronger than she ever has before. She's putting on more muscles than she ever has before. She's putting on the garments of praise like never before. She's putting on the wedding garment because the dress fits for her. And she's standing in a spot where she can have victorious liberty to praise the living God like never before. I believe that Wesley, Wesley could have a wonderful time and the Methodists, they could have a shouting time. But if there ever was a time for the children of God to, to recognize their victory, it's right now in the bride of Jesus Christ, recognizing that we're not waiting on restoration, but this is a restoration message that the fruit is at the top of the tree and the bride has been restored back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. If there ever was a time to celebrate our victory in the name of Jesus Christ, it's right now as the church of the living God. Now the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 17 that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The word of the Lord is eternal to everybody sitting here this morning. Whether you believe it or whether you don't, the word of the Lord is eternal. It means it's unlimited in power and recognizing that you are serving an omnipotent God that is the Almighty and you as fully adopted sons and daughters of God, been birthed into the kingdom of God, have full access to the open word, not a closed book, to release this word to your situation, to your life, Remember when you take that scripture, you're not just taking it to one situation. It's an unlimited, limited, it's an unlimited power. It's an unlimited grace. It's an unlimited favor on your situation. And as a fully adopted son and daughter of God, you have the ability to take the word of God, which is the king's sword, and take it and cut down your enemy that you've recognized he's not a strong, he's not a strong enemy, but he's a weak enemy. And if he can bluff you into thinking that he's great he's just believed a lie but if you can stand there and recognize that your enemy has already been defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ you can stand there as a son and daughter of God and recognize that every devil is under your feet as a church of the living God. If there ever was a time to celebrate the blood, if there ever was a time to preach the cross, if there ever was a time to recognize that there was somebody that was bigger than me that already declared and secured my victory, it's right now. Hallelujah. It's eternal, it's unlimited, it's without beginning, it's without end. It never has to cease. And thank God, it's still the same. You can use it over, you can use it, you can take Isaiah 53 over a headache and it won't get no weaker. You can take Isaiah 53 over cancer and it won't get no weaker. You can take Isaiah 53 over your mind battles and it won't get no weaker. You can take this message and you can ride it all the way right into the rapture. It ain't gonna change. Scoffers may rise, critics may rise, but there is nothing that is gonna stop this message from getting forth to where it's destined to go. And 
this message is going to be our bride. This message is going to take this bride all the way into the rapture. And I happen to believe that we are Rebecca. And we have watered this message. We've watered this message. It will be this message that will take us to our Isaac. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we're going to look at something, we ain't going to look at what we see. We're going to look at what we don't see. And maybe you don't see it here this morning, but I want to declare to you by the word of the Lord, your victory is in the building. Whether you sense it or whether you feel it, whether you know it or not, I want to tell you right now, your victory is already here. So all you got to do, Rahab, is just go ahead and throw your token over top of the wall because you're secure. You're going to get out. You've got the material. You've got the material. Rest of Jericho might go down, but you're going out in victory. There's a destroying angel that's going around the walls. And he knows where you're living at. He knows who you got in your house. He knows who you've been praying for. Don't you worry, Rahab. You're going to get out of here. You ain't going to crumble like the rest of the walls and the rest of the people in there. You're coming out victorious. Out of you, out of you is going to come a lineage that'll produce a Jesus. Oh, church of the living God, don't you know who you are and where you're standing at? If we're going to look at something, we're going to look at what God said. We're going to look at what the prophet said because it's going to give us power to overcome the enemy. Brother Barnum would say in the message, look, he would tell us, he said, if you're trying to look, trying to get somebody or somebody's trying to get you to look over, over that mountain over there, he said, they're trying to draw your attention to something. Maybe they're trying to draw your attention to, to, to a tree or, or, or a mountain going over there on that mountain. He said, they're, they, they're trying to draw your attention to something. And he said, you got to take those binoculars and you've got to turn the focus down on it so that you can see it clearly. And if you have not turned it down focused enough, you might see three gods. You might see two persons in the Godhead. But if you'll turn it down exactly in line with the scripture, you'll see there's only one God. You see, but what Jesus is trying to do, he's trying to turn your attention to look at the innocent substitute or the innocent sacrifice that was taken for you. That's what he's trying to do, is to get your attention to look at him. Brother Barnum said in looking at the unseen, he said, when a man once catches the vision of the invisible God and knows that he's always present, there's something that stabilizes that man's thinking. It stabilizes his actions. And in the time of distress and trouble, it still makes him look upward and above all and above the things that are happening around him because he's looking at the unseen yet by a promise. Yet by a promise, you're looking at the unseen. Though you may not see it, but yet you're looking at it by a promise. Is that right? That's what Jonah was doing in the belly of that well. He couldn't see that temple down there. He couldn't see his way clear of all the, all the things that were going on around him. Everywhere was belly, was well belly. Everywhere around him was fish that was there. But Brother Branham said he looked up there and he called those things lying vanities. And there ain't one person in here, Brother Branham said, that's got more symptoms than what Jonah had there because he turned his eye. 
he turned his eye and towards towards that temple and he reminded himself of the scripture. If you can remind your ever self of the scripture, it'll stabilize your thinking in the midst of chaos, in the midst of chaotic times, you will recognize that there is a God that is for you. But remember what Brother Adam would tell us in the church age book. He said, remember this, that Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. There's a lot of things that are discontinued. There's a lot of materials and a lot of products, products that are getting discontinued today because they can't get the feel or they can't get the products or they can't get the parts to make them because they're being, in COVID times, they can't get a hold of the product to get it. But I want you to know, God ain't living in COVID times. God ain't discontinuing this message and he ain't discontinuing the church of the living God. He ain't discontinuing the book of Acts. What you are seeing and what you are witnessing is that of the church of the living God, not a dead God. All right. If you recognize who you are and recognize who the enemy is, Satan is trying to stop you from catching this revelation because if you ever get the revelation of who he is and what you are, that Satan will be powerless before you. You will be an invincible army. That means you'll be too powerful to be defeated. Victory means that you have overcome and you have defeated the enemy. But the Bible has told us that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Brother Branham told us that if you believe this, you'll be an invincible army. How many believers here this morning? Let me tell you, by the word of the Lord, you cannot be defeated. Well, go ahead and shout the walls down, Rahab. You can't be defeated. You can't lose this battle. You can't give up. But the most common way that people give away their power is by thinking they don't have any. Is by thinking they don't have any. Maybe you're sitting here and maybe you don't understand every scripture. Maybe you're sitting here and you don't understand every quote. Maybe you don't understand the seventh seal. Maybe you don't understand these things. Maybe God didn't ask you to believe or understand every single thing, but he asked you to believe him. There's gonna come times in your life as a parent, you're gonna sit there and think, here my children are asking these hard questions, but how in the world can I answer them when I don't understand them myself? Don't you be ashamed because you don't understand something. Just take them back to the word of God and you remind yourself that I'm a believer. Whether I understand it now or whether I understand it then, I'd say Hattie Wright couldn't explain the seventh seal. I'd say Hattie Wright couldn't explain necessarily the Godhead and different things all throughout the great scriptures. But she believed and she said the right word and maybe it'll be one of your mamas, maybe one of your daddies that'll say the right word over your life that you'll stop going after the way of Korah and stop going after the way of Abira, but you'll get in line with Moses. Let me tell you, if you can get in line, you'll start singing the song of Moses. There's a church, there's a church that's born of the breath of God. 
was born of the very inspiration of God. When God began back there in the Garden of Eden, when he created Adam, he created him a living soul and he breathed in his nostrils. He breathed in there. He breathed in there that spiritual air and he made him a living soul. And Brother Branham would tell us that the church is a church that is born of the breath of God. You remember when Jesus is standing there in John chapter 20 and he said, my peace I give unto you and my peace I leave. He said, as I was sent, even so send I you. And the Bible said that he breathed on them the Holy Ghost. And he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. But there was a promise that was hanging over top of them. And there those believers that had captured that word by a promise went up there in the upper room. And they went up there with a promise hanging over top of them that they were going to receive the Holy Ghost. And Brother Branham said they were up there thanking God before they ever got it. Before you ever can get anything, you got to thank God for it. Before you can ever have victory, you gotta recognize that it's yours. Before you can ever have joy, you've gotta recognize that it's yours. And there those believers, there was people like Peter up there. There was people like Mary Magdalene up there. There was people like Mary, the mother of Jesus, that was up there. But they were up there believing for the Holy Ghost. Brother Branham said all they had it in was in seed form. But they were up there watering that seed. They were up there watering that seed and they had it by a promise. Do you recognize this morning that you're already healed by a promise? You're already delivered and set free by a promise? You already have been given the victory by a promise? I want you to know this, that by a promise, Brother Ron Spencer's already healed. By your promise, Brother Joe Shiflett is already healed. By your promise. But there's going to be somebody that steps out of the comfort zone and steps out of it and moves into a channel to believe that it is for them, that this is my promise, this is my inheritance. That's right. Brother Branham would tell us, and it is a rising of the sun. He said, when you believe, he said, that's your title. He said, but when the Holy Ghost comes, he said, that's the abstract to the title. You see, you can believe it. You can say you got a deed to a property, but there could be somebody that comes along and declares that they've got a lien on the property. And Satan, you could sit here, and you could say you believe every promise. You could sit here, and you could say all of these things, and you could have this much faith, but yet there could be a lien on you. But when the Holy Ghost came upon you. Everything that was against you was struck off. Your mama may have been a prostitute, but it was struck off when the abstract came. Your daddy may have been, your granddaddy may have been a bootlegger, and you may have had all kinds of different things in your family history that lined up different things in your life that made you ineligible by, by the promises of God. But when the abstract came, it struck off everything that was against you. I want you to know epilepsy cannot stand when an abstract is there. Diseases cannot stand when an abstract is there. Oh, I believe there's somebody that's holding a title deed, not just a title deed, but an abstract title deed to redemption in their hand and saying, Father, this is my inheritance. This is my promise. This is my family. I believe Shamgar was a guy like that. 
that he believed that the promise was not just for Abraham, but he believed it was for him. Year after year, the Philistines had came in and they'd taken his, they'd taken his harvest. And you think about the harvest that Shamgar would have, that it would take 600 Philistines to come in there and get that harvest. And brother, if we're living in a time, it's harvest time. If there ever was a time that the garden was full, it's right now. But there is an enemy that is coming in to try to take what has been rightfully given to you. And Shamgar got sick and tired of letting the enemy come in there and steal away his property and steal away his joy. Brother Branham said that Shamgar had his eye on a little old dress on a little old dress for his wife out there. And maybe you got your eye on a promise for your wife, for your children. I want you to know by the word of the Lord, you have your victory right now. It may look like there was no hope for Shamgar, but Shamgar said, I am the victory. I am my family's victory. I am my family's defender. I am my family's protector. He had lived so long under the shadow of defeat that it was time for him to have his victory. And maybe you've been living under a cloud, maybe a cloud of rejection, maybe a cloud of rebellion, maybe a cloud of different, different diseases or different things. I want you to come out from underneath that shadow this morning. And I want you to climb under the shadow of Psalms 91. Climb under the shadow of the Almighty and watch the miraculous take place, Shamgar. You may not know how to fight. You may just be a farmer that knows how to push cattle around, but take what you've been given. Let me tell you, Shamgar, you're gonna win today. They're gonna bring 600, but you're gonna win. I'll say this, they could have brought 10,000 and it would have never stopped Shamgar. Because one would put a flight of 1,000 and two 10,000. If they'd have brought 10,000, he'd have got his wife involved. Let me tell you, I'm a bad dude. Don't you mess with my family, but don't you mess with my wife. That's right. You come in my house, I might, I might have a little bit of grace for you. I might think you're somebody else. But you come up on my house in the middle of the night, you're gonna get shot without questioning by my wife. That's a fact. That's a truth. I say, well, we don't believe in those gun-packing preachers. Well, wrong church. I'd hate to do it, but I would. I would do it. If I got pushed to a limit, I'd have to ask God for forgiveness. Better ask for forgiveness than permission. Is that right? Ain't that right, brothers? Can I get an amen in the house of God? But let me tell you something. My wife, she'd been trained. She'd been trained on every gun in my house. She just didn't like that 44 Magnum. But let me tell you, you mess with her, you mess with one of my children, you mess with me, you're gonna get somebody. Oh, mama bear gonna cut loose on you. You might mess with Jesus and he might give you some love, but you mess with his wife. You talk about my Jesus one time and you watch the wife of Jesus Christ stand up like never before. I've been trained to use an Acts 2.38. I've been trained in the word of God. Don't you mess with the wife of heaven. We know how to cut the devil down and we ain't ashamed to use it. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for he is the power and the salvation. 
Oh, let the Holy Spirit roll through this place and drive every fear, every anxiety, every disease, every cancer, every problem, every demon. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you by the name of Jesus. I hope I never have to do it. If I do, I'm gonna have to get Brother Hunter to represent me. I believe he'd do it. There's somebody that's gonna possess the gate of the enemy. And Shamgar knew that it wasn't just a promise to Abraham, but it was a promise to him that thy seed will possess the gate of the enemy. Notice what Brother Branham said. He said, if you got an enemy this morning, then my brothers, he said, there's only, if you are a seed of Abraham after hearing this, there's not enough devils in hell that can keep the gate before you. It'll open, don't care what it is, you walk up there as a promised seed and say, I claim this for mine. I, this is mine because God swore that he'd raise up Jesus and through Jesus I, I'd conquer and I come in the name of, of Jesus, that conqueror Jesus Christ. Step back, I'm passing, I'm passing through. Amen, he shall possess the gate of the enemy. He said, then stand up there with your shoulders back and your shield is shining and covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus. The enemy will recognize it. That's what the enemy's got to recognize is that blood. And if you don't have the blood, you have a powerless religion. If you're preaching your way out, if you're preaching your way out on the other side and you're trying to say there is no mercy, you have opened yourself up to a bunch of legions of devils. But while there is mercy, I'm going to preach mercy. While there is grace, I'm going to preach grace. You recognize that we have a mighty conqueror that is standing for you and I to make sure that you're going to get through. There Joshua was a four-star general, but there he met one that had his sword already pulled in his hands when he was over there in Joshua chapter 5. When he met him, he said, are you for us or are you against us? He said, neither one, you're for me. And he had his sword pull, and he was ready to go into action. Brother Manum said that was a five-star general that is standing there. I've been serving in this army for a mighty long time now, and I ain't never seen one case that was too hard for this general. I ain't never seen him back off of one general. I ain't never seen him back off of one call. He never sounded the word of retreat, but he sounded press the battle. Matter of fact, that was a word that came from the other side. Brother Branham, press the battle. Press the battle. If there ever was a time to preach this message and declare that it's true and that there is a vindicated pillar fire that is in the church of the living God, it's right now. Press the battle. You say, well, I, I don't know very much. You might be the one that saves your brother. You might be the one that gets that last seed. I might be speaking to somebody on the internet that'll take this message to somebody in Zimbabwe or somebody in Ukraine or somebody here or there that'll take this message and we rapture right out of here because they got that last seed. If there ever was a time, let's press it. Let's press it. The Ram said he said many men had set out to conquer. He said Napoleon set out to conquer. And then, and he died, at the, and he did at the age of 33. He conquered France, he conquered many nations, but he couldn't conquer himself. And he died an alcoholic. And he met his end at Waterloo. There was other great men that set out to conquer the world. Here might Napoleon, he started out a conqueror, but he died in disgrace. 
But there was another young man that come in the world one time. He died at 33 years old. He conquered everything that could be conquered. When he was here on earth, he conquered passions. He conquered pride. He conquered sickness. He conquered devils. When he died, he conquered death. When he arose, he conquered hell. And when he went up and he conquered everything that was against mankind, you're in a battle with a mighty conqueror. You're not going to lose. I made a statement a while back. I was reminded of it. That every once in a while you need a W, you need a win. How many is in that spot right now that you just need a good win? Seems like you've been losing battle after battle. Seems like you ain't getting no headway, not getting ahead or not going forward. But I, I want you to know, I want you to know, if you're feeling that way and you need a win, let's have one right now. Because your victory is here. Your victory ain't waiting on you on the outside of the building. Your victory ain't waiting for you in the car. Your victory is here, right here. And you don't have to leave here the way you came this morning. You don't have to walk in here a loser. You don't have to walk in here a loser and walk out a loser. You can walk out here a victor today. You can walk out here a mighty conqueror. You can walk out of here victorious this morning. Well, my children are doing this. My family, it's upside down. I've got circumstances stacked on circumstances. The Bible said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think you're a winner, if you think you're a winner, bring it back to me. If you think you're a winner, you're a winner. If you think you're a loser, you're a loser. If you think you're victorious, if you think and know you're the bride, if you think you're defeated, if you think you're gonna lose another battle, if you think you can't go on, that'll be the thought that you meet. But if you think the right kind of thought because the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. If you think you're healed, walk into it. If you know you need the Holy Ghost, walk into it. God is looking for the victory to come down that was in the headship and move all the way into the body of Jesus Christ. And Brother Barron was saying, Christ, the mystery of God revealed, he would tell us that the church is his victory. He would say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done. And Brother Branham said it would be done. He said, because the word is in there. And if the word is in there, it's got to accomplish exactly what he sent it to do. He said, oh, if I could ever get the world to see that, justified in his sight. He said, the church is his victory. He said, when we see, when we see his victory coming down and living in the church of the living God, he said, that's when we know that the body is on earth. Oh, somebody. I wish somebody would give witness to what God has done in their life in the last little bit. I can stand here and tell you that he delivers from suicide. I can stand here and tell you that he delivers from homosexuality. I can stand here and tell you that he binds the brokenhearted. I can stand here and tell you that he's still a healer. He's still a deliverer. I can stand here and tell you that he's restoring brotherhood. I can stand here and tell you that he's restoring unity. He's living in the body. It's not a defeated body.
He said, oh, the sickest body that I know of is the bride of Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus Christ. But you're not going to go down that way. God would not that you perish, but he would that you prosper and be in good health. He's living in a body, and he's showing forth his actions. You remember when Brother Branham, it's one of the very first ministers, or very first visions that Brother Branham has in his ministry. It's in the early 1940s, maybe even being 37. There when uh, Mrs. Daryl Ohania, there, there you can go back and study it through the message, and Brother Branham, she'd heard about the miracle that had happened with, with that colored man. He, he would say that colored man up there in the hospital, Mr. Merle, and he'd come down there, and, and he'd received his healing, and all those things and sister Daryl Hania had heard had heard that report and she believed it and brother Branham was led by a house walking down a street he walked up and knocked on the door and he said is there a crippled woman in here he was led by a vision now what was he looking at he was looking at the unseen and he walked in there. He said, is there a crippled woman there? He said, there she had been laying in that bed for 17 years, crippled up like a spider, laying there. He said, there she was reading that Arminian Bible. She was reading over there. And he asked her if she believed it. She said, Brother Branham, she said, ever since I heard about the miracle of Brother Merle, she said, I believe that it could be for me. He said, I am here. He said, because God has heard your prayer. And she jumped up out of that bed. She jumped up out of that bed. Her legs came straight and she ran all around the building. There were people that thought that there was a funeral service, that somebody had died. Brother Branham said somebody did die. An old one died and a new one had come back to life again. There were people that said that she just got excited and let her muscles down in her leg and she was able to run around. He and Brother Branham ran into her years later. She said, Brother Branham, they were down there at a the butcher shop. Said, Brother Branham, do you remember when people said I was just excited that I let my I let those muscles down in my leg? She said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I, I remember when they said that. She said, well, I'm still excited because I'm still walking. There's people that don't understand why you as a church are elated. You're excited. It's because you as a people have broken through the veil. You have broken through the veil of barriers of denominational creeds and you are elated to the fact that you are the wife of heaven. Hallelujah. I tell you, my heart's excited because I'm still living right. I'm still dancing right. I still got the Holy Ghost. Ain't no devil in hell that can stand in front of me because I'm still living on the hallelujah side. Well, I don't like that kind of preaching. Let me tell you, Brother Random will tell us anything without emotion is dead. If you're like a dead church, you're gonna have to go back to your church of Christ. You won't find no dead church here. As long as I'm living, there's gonna be noise for Jesus. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's noise that follows him. And the reason why there is noise in this place is because Jesus is amongst us. The Holy Ghost is here. The pillar of fire is here. If there was a time to celebrate our victory that we've already won by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, let the redeemed of the Lord shout amen.
Rahab, when you hear the noise, it's time for you to get ready. When you hear the noise, you watch. Our sound is going to match our miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes you're going to have to remind yourself that you are the victorious bride of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is standing there and he's dealing with those, when he's dealing with those Sadducees and Pharisees and they're giving and presenting to him a question and they're asking him, whose wife will this be? She's been married to this one and that brother and that brother and this brother and that brother. Said, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And Jesus told her in Matthew 22 and 29, I believe it is, he said, he said, you do err. This is where you make your mistake because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And the reason why so many people live a defeated life is because they don't know the power of God and they don't know the scriptures. If you're going to live a victorious life, you're going to have to put some things on your lips. You're going to have to remind yourself of Exodus 14 and 14. The Lord our God will fight your battles. Over and over again, David would stand there through the Psalms and through the Kings and through the Chronicles and he would declare that God was his God. It wasn't just good enough for him to say that it was, it was mama's God or, or daddy's God. He was his God. You're going to have to stand up and start putting the word of the Lord, of the word of the Lord on your lips. Because Satan is, Satan is against you with everything that's within him. He can't stop you as the bride of Jesus Christ. But he's going to do everything that he can to try to stop you. Let me tell you this, Satan can out talk you. He's a big old blabbermouth and he never knows when to shut up. That's how you recognize there's a devil talking to you and not the Lord. God ain't some big blabbermouth that tells you 42 paragraphs on how to overcome. He just tells you, go, you're delivered. But the devil will sit there and tell you, your daddy's gonna die. Your family's gonna give up. When you notice, listen to his language that he's given you. You'll recognize that it's an enemy that you're facing right there but you've got to know the power of God and put some scriptures on your lips. Let me tell you, if there ever was somebody that ever needed a good smack in the mouth and put duct tape over their mouth, it was Satan because he don't know how to shut up. There's some people that you run into all day long. They, they just, man, my goodness, if they'd ever learned to put some duct tape over that mouth, they'd be a whole lot more personable about themselves in life. My goodness, I wish somebody would invest in it. But if there ever was somebody that ever needed to invest in duct tape, it was the bride of Jesus Christ, is to stand there and put the word of God and stop the enemy. The Bible tells us, I got scripture for what I'm saying. The Bible says in Psalm 63 and 11 that the word, there will come a time when you stop the mouths of the liars. If there ever was a time to take a plunger of the word and stop up Satan's mouth and stop his lies, it's to stop it right now. Stop living a defeated life by stop committing and saying what Satan has said. But start putting on your lips. He's the Lord my God that heals all of my diseases. Deuteronomy 3 and 22. You shall not fear them for the Lord your God shall fight for you. 
David said in Psalms 18 and 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer and my God and my strength in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. David was a man that knew how to put the scriptures on his lips. You remember, you remember when, uh, when, David, when David was over there and he'd actually been living with the enemy. You remember, you can, go, you can go study it out in Psalms, 1 Samuel chapter 30. You can go and study it out. Don't take time to do it right now while I'm preaching. You can go do that later. But you'll find in 1 Samuel chapter 30, it was a time when, when David was coming back and he made, he made an alliance, an alliance with Achish, the Philistine king. Wow, here I am, the mighty conqueror, the guy that kills Goliath. I'm the guy that when Saul asked for 100 foreskins of the Philistines, I bring back 200. I'm the guy that goes above and beyond. But I'm the guy living with the Philistines. Living with the enemy. Brother Brandon would say the greatest enemy that I have is myself. You could think about David. Here he is, the future king. He's gonna reign for 70 years over Judah and Israel together. He's gonna reign there. He's gonna be one of the greatest kings. He's gonna be one of the greatest Jewish kings over the, over the empire of Israel. He's gonna be the one that we quote, what we quote the most in the Psalm book. But here David was in the lowest spot of his life. He was a wanderer. He was living in caves. He was hiding from Saul and he'd lived a year and four months up there in a Philistine country, living over there in Ziklag. And he comes back when Achish won't let him fight in a battle. You'll be amazed what you get yourself into. Oh, I can handle it. Can you really? You'll be amazed what you get yourself into. And David is coming back, and he's coming back down to Ziklag, and he comes over there, and the houses are burned up, the cattle is gone, the children is gone, David has lost his two wives, Abigail and Ahinoam, the, the Amalekites have come in, the Philistines will fight you face to face, but an Amalekite will come in behind you. And he come in there when David was away from home, and he stole everything that he had. And the Bible tells us that, that, that those that had stood with him, David's mighty men of valor that stood with him, the Bible said that they spake of stoning him. Do you want to be a leader now? The Bible tells us that David and all the men had wept themselves so much that their strength was gone from them. Have you ever been in a spot like that? When you've cried so much, there is tear stains all over your pillow in the morning when you wake up. You cry yourself to sleep. Everything that you loved in life has been taken from you. When it seems like God has turned his back on you, when it seems like healing ain't coming your way, and you cry yourself to sleep, and you ain't got hardly strength to get up out of your own slumber in the mornings. Have you cried yourself to sleep when death came and stole your loved one away? Have you cried yourself to sleep when the enemy came in and tried to rob everything from you? This is where David was in a spot. 
But David didn't stay there in his tears. David didn't stay there in his wallet. He didn't stay there when everybody was around him that was speaking a stone to him. David encouraged himself in the Lord. There's going to be times in your life when the pastor ain't around, the preacher ain't around, the deacons ain't around, your mama ain't around, your daddy ain't around, your loved ones ain't around, your support team ain't around. There's going to come a time in your life when you're going to have to do it all by yourself. You're going to have to encourage yourself all by yourself. You can have your pity party all by yourself. Why don't you turn around and have yourself a victory and encourage yourself one time? You can cry yourself to sleep. But little David, start encouraging yourself in the Lord. And he asked him, God, shall I go forth and pursue and recover it all? You see what happens. Brother Branham would preach a message after the token on desperations. And he would pull. It's the only time that Brother Branham would ever pull from Jeremiah 29 and 11. It's where Jeremiah told us that he has thoughts toward just thoughts of peace and not of evil. We're going to have to get this thing fixed. But there, he, he began, Brother Branham, he brings, he brings a powerful message, and he tells us in that message that the token was his climax of his message. It was the climax. It was the greatest. It was the capstone of his ministry. That's where he would say that. But he would tell us in that message, desperation. He said, emergencies throw us into desperations. He said, it's a bad thing. He said, but Americans are lazy like that, that it takes an emergency to throw us into desperation. He said, if your wife, he said, if she's got, you've got to get her to a doctor and they say she's got cancer or they say she's got TB and she's fixing to die. He said, you'll do anything for your wife. You do anything for your children. You do anything for your family. That's what desperation does. But Jesus understands and your need. Your need attracts his attention when you get desperate. It'll put you in a spot of emergency. It'll draw you into desperation. And David was in this spot of emergency. And he began to do what he did best. David began to encourage himself in the Lord. It's a pivotal moment in David's ministry. Watch what David did. In Psalms 18 and 6, this is where you're going to have to encourage yourself. Take some notes right here. You've had some discouraging times, but now here's some things to encourage you. David said in Psalms 18 and 6, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God and heard, and he heard my voice out of his temple and out of my, and my cry came before him even unto his ears. Psalms 25, verse 1, Under thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I put... Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. David was encouraging himself in the Lord. What would Paul say in Ephesians 6? Be strong in the Lord. It's not being strong in yourself, not being strong in your own faith or believing in your own faith, but believing in the word of the Lord. One of the most powerful scriptures that there is in the entire Bible is Psalms chapter 34. 
But if you read it, you'll find that you'll find at the heading, it's a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. If you go back and read 1 Samuel 21, you'll find that this is when Abimelech, you'll see Abimelech, but the interpretation is Achish. This is when Achish is turning him away. But this is when David turned his behavior and David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. There's gonna come a time in your life when you're gonna have to bless the Lord at all times. Whether we're on a mountain or whether you're in the valley, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard me and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, you gotta encourage yourself. Psalms 40 and one. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Are you in that spot? You in a spot? He brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. Keep encouraging yourself, David. Psalms 42, why art thou cast down on my soul and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him whom is the health of my countenance and my God. Psalms 56, be merciful unto me. O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighteth daily and oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me. Oh, thou most high, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. David turned the battle. I heard a statement last week that David, there's gonna come a time when you're gonna have to use more than your sword in a battle. You're gonna have to use your prey, your prayer, you're gonna have to use your praise, and you're gonna have to use your worship. There's gonna come a time when you can't battle with your sword, you're gonna have to battle on your knees. And David turned the battle with praise. And all of a sudden, the whole gang that was with him, his brethren that was with him, he took four or 600 men and he started going down there after those Amalekites that had stole what was rightfully his. You see, they could come in and steal his cattle. They could come in and steal his children. They could come in and burn down his house. They could come in and take everything away from him. But there was one thing they couldn't take away from David and that was his God. 
Satan will come in and he'll rob you and steal from you. He'll destroy your marriage and destroy your hope. But there's one thing that Satan cannot take from the church of the living God. That's her Lord. After David encouraged himself in the scriptures, David took a gang of men with him. And he went down there and 200 of them got tired on him. And they got down there by the river and they stayed back because they were still in a spot of depression. But 400 of them went down there and while they were going on the way, they ran into an Egyptian that was laying there that he was almost dead and his life was gone from him. And David and those mighty men began to feed him of cakes of figs. I tell you what, when I was reading that, I thought, man, that sounds pretty good. They started giving him a cluster of raisins. And all of a sudden, his life came back to him. And they began to ask him, who you for? Where you came from? He said, well, just a few days ago, a band of us went down there to Ziklag, and we destroyed a city down there. David, let me give you something. Let me give you something right here. Satan would have been a whole lot better off if he'd have killed us. He'd have been a whole lot better off just to kill us instead of take our spoils and to take all of our cattle and take all of our children. He'd have been a whole lot better off if he'd have just went ahead and done it if he could have. But he couldn't do it because he didn't get permission from the Father. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he can't touch one hair of your head before he gets permission from Papa God. Is that right? Satan would have been a whole lot better off if he'd have went ahead and finished you off. He'd have been a whole lot better if he'd have killed everybody. But David could say, Amalekites, I'm coming for you. Let me say this. Satan, you'd have been a whole lot better off to kill me when I was strung out on drugs and strung out on alcohol poisoning. You'd have been a whole lot better off if you'd have killed me while I was out there in the world. But now I've got my right mind and I'm coming for everything that you stole from me. I'm getting my joy back. I'm getting my dance back. I'm getting my joy bell shoes on. And I'm going to dance my way into victory. You've been a whole lot better off if you'd have killed me. I'm coming for you. You can take my family. You can try to take my pastor. You can try to take my young people. But Satan, I'm coming after you. In the name of Jesus Christ, give back. What's the word of the Lord to you, full gospel lighthouse? Pursue and take it back. You may not know exactly where the enemy's at, but I want you to know that the word of the Lord said he's going to give you a guide. He's going to give you a guide that will lead you into all truth. You believe that? He's going to lead you to your victory. He's going to lead you to your breakthrough. He's going to lead you to you know how you don't know how to worship anymore. You done lost yourself in praise and you don't even know what you're saying and you start speaking in another language. There's going to be a God that'll take you all the way into the victory when you don't know the way down there. They would have been better off if those Amalekites would have killed that Egyptian. But when David restored the man, Hallelujah. When David restored the man his strength, he said, I'll lead you down there to them Amalekites. Oh, hell better watch out. We've got a guy that's taking us down to the Amalekite camp and we're taking everything that the devil stole from us back. I want to declare to you 
Your victory ain't coming. Your victory is here. It's here. You believe that. Do you accept that? And David recovered it all. He was kind of like Moses down there dealing with them, dealing with them Pharaohs and those Egyptians. He said, we're not leaving one half behind. You see what Satan was trying to do to Moses? He was trying to offer him a so far religion. But we had a prophet standing this day too that didn't believe in a so far religion. He said, if we're going, we're all going. I'm taking my cattle with me. I'm taking my children with me. When we go out, I'm going to have my shoes ready. I'm going to have my staff in the hand. I'm going to have the blood over the doorpost, and we're going to go out because I know that the death angel's passing by this way, and people are dying in the church. People are dying in the body of Jesus Christ because they've not given over and put the blood on the door. But there's a people that's got themselves ready. They've separated themselves from all of Egypt. There is light and ghosting again, church. The church of the living God is feeding off the evening light that's given her harvest for this time. We're going all the way. All the way. Brother Brandon would say that I'm so glad that a man can so completely serve God till the devil don't know what to do with him. You know what Moses had done? He so completely served God till Pharaoh didn't know what to do with him. He said, get out. I'm talking to a church of the living God that is so completely serving God that the devil don't know what to do with you that he's got to kick you out. He got to kick you out. Well, don't you worry. I'm leaving. I'm leaving on my own accord. I'm leaving with my shoes on. I'm leaving with my children. I'm leaving with a well pastor. I'm leaving with every prodigal that I prayed for. I'm leaving with all my family. I ain't worried about my firstborn. I got the blood applied. You got the victory over the enemy and the world. You can't do you no harm. Daniel was down there in Babylon for 68 years. He was down there and he would not bow to man. And they tried to put him into a lion's den, but he still had so much victory till the lions couldn't eat him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had so much victory that the fire couldn't burn it out. I tell you what, when you get victory like that, it's hard to burn out and it's hard for lions to eat at it. You've got so much victory as a church of the living God that Satan can't stomp it out. He can't put it out. Because Daniel stood there and he purposed in his heart and he knew by the understanding of the books of Jeremiah that he read that they would be down there in captivity for 70 years and he understood by the books that captivity was almost over. I tell you, when Daniel could stand there and we only know of four that stood in the Babylonian kingdom time that stood there with so much victory, how much has the church of the living God that's filled with the Holy Ghost ought to have the victory today standing here robed in his righteousness filled with the Holy Ghost. I say if Daniel could have victory, then I can have victory. If those guys, if those American soldiers in World War II, if they were over there fighting in Japan 
and they could go over there and they could fight for 31 days in Iwo Jima. They could stand there and they could face the enemy. They could do it time and time again. Fight him off with gunshots. Fight him off with cannons. Fight him off with, fight him off with all kinds of shells and bombs and different things. And finally they got the victory. And when they got the victory over there, there's a powerful picture that stands there as Americans have claimed this Iwo Jima as ours. We've took the land. If there ever was a time to point to the cross. It's our ensign. It's been raised like never before. It's an ensign that the victory is yours and you've been claimed by Jesus Christ. Oh, it's a time to raise an ensign. I say, God, let me be your banner. Let me be your ensign. Let me be your standard. Oh, God, come and fill me like never before. Let your victory be declared on the inside of me. When Moses had been led by the Holy Ghost, led by the pillar of fire to go there and take that children out of that land, he come over there and he led them all the way out of Egypt and it looked like it was sudden destruction that was on their, on their path for them. And it looked like complete annihilation was coming to the children of Israel. And they're there, they've got the Red Sea on one side. And they've got the Egyptians on one side. Pharaoh and his army after two million people because they have lost their slaves. They've lost their slave. They've lost their workmen. And the enemy had received a hardened spirit and they went after the children of Israel. And there they were going to try to thwart them and bring them a great defeat. But Moses began to pray. There's something powerful when you begin to pray. If you can ever begin to get to a spot that you can pray when everything around you is going wrong, just pray. Just pray. Find yourself in a closet. Find yourself in your war room. Find yourself in a spot and begin to pray and watch how God answers you back. And Moses, Brother Branham said in Victory Day, he said that day Moses had a V-Day when he began to pray. And he told him, Moses, while you're crying unto me, you're right in the line of duty. He said, oh, what that ought to do, how that ought to give a courage to the backslider and to the sinner and to those that are sick, how it ought to give courage to you if you can just get yourself in the line of duty and you'll come back right in line. And what did God do? He opened up a way for them for they passed over, not on muddy ground. He's already got a way prepared for you. There's one, there's one scholar that said that when God opened up the Red Sea for them to be able to get across and get across it without struggle, that God had to open up the Red Sea two miles wide. When God makes a way, he don't just barely make a way. He makes it so big that you say, well, how can I not get through this? Let me tell you, you might be facing the biggest giant of your life, David, but let me tell you, the stone you got in your pocket is the way to take a giant down. I was given a stone by a brother here not too long ago, and I'm just waiting to use it on a giant one day. I got my sling ready, and I'm ready for a giant. You better not stand up in this service. I might go slinging stones around here. 
but I've got a revelation that though God be for me, if God be for me, who can be against me? I've got a revelation in my pocket that no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. I've got a weapon in my pocket that God is greater than any problem that I've got. But we've moved higher. We've moved into another realm. God sent us a prophet, but he didn't just send us with a message to tell that God sent a prophet. That prophet had a message. Brother Branham, I heard Brother Branham say this morning, in the harvest time, he said, God has sent me a message. He said, some, he said, I believe it's from God. He said, some might think it's of the devil. He said, but I believe it's from God. And I happen to believe that this prophet's message is the message of the final age. It'll be this message that'll get us out of this chaos. That's why I'm declaring to you, your victory is here. The rapture's not coming. The rapture's in you. Miriam, I want you to get ready. Now, if it takes two miles, it takes two miles to see to open up. I can imagine two miles, two miles of Israelites over there on that panoramic, two miles of them standing there. And the Bible says in Exodus 15, I love the numerology of the Bible, Exodus 15 and Revelations 15, there they begin to sing the songs of Moses that Pharaoh and his army has he cast into the sea. Oh, I tell you, I'd say, I'd say they were having themselves a good old Pentecostal holy roller fit up there on them banks. You can imagine 600,000 women shouting to their might, shouting with everything within them. Why were they shouting like that? Because the victory wasn't coming. Their victory was already won. And if there ever was a time for us to have a Holy Ghost breakout service to praise God like never before, it's this day because we're looking over the panoramic and we see nothing but floating chariot wheels. And the enemy that you see today, you will see no more. Your victory is here. Your praise is here. Your breakthrough is here. Your anointing is here. Your rapture is here. All you need is to lift off, little astronaut. I enjoy serving the Lord. I enjoy worshiping. There's nothing I'd rather do. I wait all week long just to get back in church. And I love the times that we have here. I absolutely love them. But just my mind begins to think, begins to think about all those Israelites over there shouting the victory. 600,000 women dancing shouting and singing and praising God with the same song that Moses was singing. What will be the song that is sung in heaven? It will be the song of Moses and that of the Lamb. I absolutely love how the Holy Spirit moves upon us. But there they were without the Holy Ghost, without the anointing that you have, without an open book like you've got. And they were shouting and they were having the victory over there because they watched their enemy die. Oh. Oh, what would the sound of 600,000 bride believers be like this morning? 
when they started recognizing that their enemy is defeated and Christ already secured your victory? What kind of shout would you let loose when you knew you were walking into it? The promise was yours. The inheritance was yours. The Holy Ghost was yours. Every devil that you've been in your way is defeated. What kind of shout would you produce? I'm not going back to Egypt and I'm not going back to that slavery. I'm not going back to that whip. I ain't making no more bricks no more. I'm going to a land that was made for me. They went from one exodus from a natural land to another land, from the natural land to a spiritual land. And this is a spiritual baptism of the Holy Ghost. This third exodus will take us to our future home. Brother Branham said there's coming an exodus. He said when the world will know who's who. I promise you I'm trying to stop and I'm trying to find a good spot. And he said, there's going to come a time. He said it in the third Exodus. When the world will know who's who. And those that are called out will be Exodus out of here to their bridegroom in the sky. Oh, won't it be a time. Oh, Rebecca, you've watered this camel. It's time to slip off the camel and go meet your Isaac. It's time. Run through the field. There he is. There he is. I looked at my hands. And my hands, they look new. And I looked at my feet, and they did too. And I looked all around me, and all around me shine. And I said, won't it be a time? You feel that? You feel that atmosphere? It's an atmosphere to tell you that your victory is here. Stop living in defeat. Stop living with that kind of mindset. Your victory is here. You receive that right now? How many things, how many people have been praying over something specific? Specific that only God knows about. I ain't gonna tell you every detail, but I'm gonna tell you what. There was a word that came to me this week that blessed my heart so much that only select few knew exactly what I was going through. But there was a word that came from the Lord that turned everything around. Let me tell you, the devil can try to do everything he wants to, but you just recognize your enemy and get ready for the miraculous. I'm telling you, Full Gospel Lighthouse, get ready for the miraculous. You ain't gonna stop what God's about to do. Every hell can turn its gun towards us, but the miraculous is on the way. The devil's been cast out. Satan has lost the battle, and you are in victory. I would, if I were you, I'd start confessing, and I'd start believing what you've been praying for is already done. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who daily loads me with his promises. 
It ain't coming, it's here. It's here. You've been asking for a gift of the Holy Ghost. It's here. You've been asking for anointing. It's here. You've been asking for a breakthrough. It's here. It's here. It's here. It's here. He didn't wake me up for no reason in the middle of the night just to destroy my slumber. He woke me up as a man of God to tell you our victory is here. Why don't you turn yourself to loose, loose to rejoice in the promises of God. Give him praise. Give him praise in the house of God. Hallelujah. 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 I still got a card you signed, Brother Randy. I still got it. The victory is here. I still got a check I've wrote out. The victory is here. I still got, I got, I got things that I, I've got wrote down here in my prayer list. I got names checked all over this thing, Sister Brenda. Jeremy Diaz, your victory is here. I'm gonna check the rest of this off. I believe it. You say, well, it's too impossible. There ain't nothing impossible with my God. The Bible said all things are possible to them that believe. I so happen to believe that all things are possible. You can call me crazy. You can call me a fool, but I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? I happen to believe that everything I've asked for in the name of Jesus Christ, as long as it's in his will, I'm gonna get it. It ain't his will to leave you sick. It's his will to heal you. So I'm gonna believe for you. You may not have enough faith to believe that your prodigal can walk back in this building, but I happen to believe that I can have the faith that your prodigal will walk back in here. You may not have the faith that Brother Ron will, have, will be completely made whole of cancer, but I have enough faith to believe that. You may not have enough faith for Sister Anna to produce a baby in a 30-year-old age, but I happen to believe that. I happen to believe that God's still God and He's still a mighty worker of His healing power and He's given the Holy Ghost. You may not believe that, but I believe that. How'd you get here? How'd you get here? There was no way that you should have been here, but God rich in mercy. Because your victory was here. It's secured, Brother Tyler. It's here. It's here. And your victory's name is Jesus.
this ain't the time for doubters. This is time for believers. Is there anybody that believes that this is a continuation of the book of Acts? The days of Ananias and Sapphira are here. It's time for the fire to fall and separate the believers from the unbelievers. Bless the Lord on my soul. Every prayer. 
this and just victory is mine, victory is mine. Oh, victory is mine. Oh, victory is mine. Oh, victory today. It is mine, mine, mine. Oh, I told Satan, you better get me behind. Cause of victory today. It is mine. Joy is mine. Oh, joy, it is mine. Oh, joy is mine. Yeah. 